Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to The Well here at STSA. Um, if you're just joining us, we're actually in the middle of a series called Did Jesus Really Say That? Um, Did Jesus Really Say That? And for those who are new to our series, what we've been discussing so far um, are teachings that Christ gave and teachings that Christ really did say, um, and he really meant what he said. Um, and what we've been talking about this whole time is this idea of Christ gave these teachings so that they're obeyed, not just to be known. Said in another way, we talked about we're going to make a promise from the very beginning that we are not going to substitute knowledge for obedience. We won't substitute knowledge for obedience. That was the commitment we made at the very first um, well talk that we gave. And I hope that that translates into every single talk, um, that we're not there just listening for information um, or, or learning to, to understand something new or in a different light, but really how do I obey the teachings of Christ? So with that, um, we've talked so far about loving our enemies uh, and what that looks like and, and who are our enemies to begin with. And we also talked about anxiety and worries. Um, so if you've missed either one of those, feel free to go uh, back on our YouTube channel and check those out. Today we're going to talk about a topic um, that is a very famous passage, but one that we don't necessarily like to reflect on too much. Um, and I, I chose this passage today because I was thinking to myself, out of all the teachings that there are um, that Christ gave, this one in particular sounds kind of harsh and hard, but I wanted to really understand it from Christ's point of view, why he gave this passage and why he gave this teaching the way he did. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to dive right in, and this is from the Gospel of St. Luke. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I know what you're thinking. I, I came here to, to, for a hopeful message, an uplifting message. Why did I join the well on the, the carry your cross Sunday? Okay, it's a, the denying yourself Sunday. Why, 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 why? How about that for a rah-rah speech that Jesus gives to, to the people around him, huh? You know, how does that sound? Sounds good to you guys? Sounds good to me? Like when I hear Jesus say this, is my first inclination or my first response, yes, denying myself, yes, taking up the cross, absolutely, and following Jesus. Is that what my response is? Jesus is saying, you love me, right? You want to be my disciple? You want to follow me? You want to call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ? Great. Good news. I got the solution for you. I'll show you the way to do that. And that way is taking up your cross continually or daily, denying yourself and following me. For being honest with ourselves, um, that's the last thing me and you want to hear. Uh, and I'll lump myself in there with you. In fact, if you think about it, this is the exact, if you were looking at a, at a teaching that society would completely disagree with, the society that we live in today, it's this one right here. Think about it. What does society teach us? Do you. Live your life. Do whatever makes you happy. It's about you. You only get to live once, so make sure you enjoy it. We are told that it's honorable, that it is maybe even our responsibility, ironically enough, our God-given right to pursue our own interests, regardless of anything else. Because that is actually what's going to make us happy, or at least we're told that. If we wanted an anti-evangelism passage, I would need to look no further than today's passage um, from the Gospel of St. Luke. Nothing about this seems inviting. Nothing about this seems exciting. Nothing about this seems, really, to be honest, anything either me or you want to do. 
This doesn't sound like the message we should be preaching to bring those into the fold of Christ. But what's interesting about this passage is it's actually central to the Christian teaching. For, for many of us that, that have either grown up in church or have gone even to a, a few time, um, a, a few services, um, excuse me. So it's actually one of the main Christian teachings and it's mentioned in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And with each time it's mentioned, it's actually given within the same exact context over and over again. If you notice, we opened up the passage and it said, then he said to them all. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to say, if the passage that I chose right here starts with then, something came before it. What was going on before Jesus proclaimed this iconic statement, proclaimed this command? Very simply, Jesus was talking about his own death and his own way to the cross. And that was the last thing the disciples wanted to hear. And he says, no, 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 don't worry. The disciples, but not just the disciples, anyone who wants to follow me that comes after me, you're going to have to go through the same way. You see, Jesus isn't saying something that he wasn't willing to do himself. In fact, what he is saying, if you truly want to be mine, if you truly want to be called a follower of Christ, you have to imitate me and take up your cross just like I took up my cross. There's a story in, in, the, in the Gospels as well, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, of someone who actually had the honor and privilege to carry the actual cross of Christ. Um, for those of us who know the story, um, Simon of Cy Cyrene. And the story goes that they had to compel him to carry the cross. Why? Um, to carry a cross is a very shameful thing. To be crucified is a very shameful thing. Um, but if we think about it now, knowing what we know, we often think to ourselves, man, it would be such a high honor to carry the cross of Christ. And the, and the reason Christ couldn't carry the, his cross was physically he was just unable. Um, at that point, after he had been beaten and, and everything like that, he just physically was unable to carry the cross, which shows you that the extent of the passion that Christ went through. Sometimes we think just about the cross, but everything leading up to the cross was, you know, just as, as, um, uh, as tough um, for him as the cross itself. And Simon of Cyrene, what was probably going on in his mind? Let's say he didn't know who Jesus was. Probably said to himself, I don't want to carry this guy's cross. This is a shameful way to go. But they compelled him to do it and he did it. What about after the resurrection? How would he have felt about being able to carry the cross of Christ? Is there a higher honor? Is there a higher honor than to carry the cross of Christ? I would like to think to myself that, man, if I was around back then and I knew what I know now, it would be such a high honor to carry the cross of Christ. And I'm sure some of you are thinking the same way. What Christ is telling us is that here's your chance. You want to honor me in that way? Here's your chance to do it. Really do it. To participate in my cross. The way to do it is through self-denial. It's to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now, first question that comes to my mind, comes to your mind, well, what is self-denial anyways? It's, you know, sometimes when we think about self-denial, we talk about fasting, which absolutely has a lot to do with that. But, you know, is self-denial simply just, you know, me choosing the, the oat milk instead of the whole milk? And, and man, if I choose the oat milk instead of the whole milk, well, now I'm like one of the saints. I'm like, I'm like one of the, the true ascetics. Um, is it when I decide to give like, you know, $50 to, to a charity um, and I just secretly, you know, pat myself on the back because I was so giving of myself? Is, is that what self-denial really is? We're going to work off um, a definition here. Um, on the, the next slide that will kind of help us understand what self-denial is. If you want it, 
succinct summary of what is self-denial is this. God first, others second, and I'm last. God first, others second, I'm last. That's it. It's that simple, right? All right, everybody good? God first, others second, I'm last. It's easy, right? It's an easy definition. And you notice I didn't put I'm third. I'm last, why? Because there's many others. There's God. There's a lot of people that I'm called to serve. Not just, you know, within my immediate family and things like that. There's a lot of people I'm called to serve and then I'm last. This call to self-denial, or as other fathers would call self-emptying of oneself, is a lifelong journey. But it starts with this conscious decision that I will live my life honoring first to God and through the service of others. I will live my life by honoring God first, serving others second, and by process of elimination, that makes me last. And we know what Christ said about those who are last and those who are first. There will be many who are last who will be first in the kingdom of God. Self-denial is all about the letting go of myself in a real way, carrying my cross daily and living for God every single day and he shows me how to serve others. Now you might be wondering to yourself, okay, I understand self-denial. I understand what Christ had to do. What does that have to do with other people? Why am I called to serve others? St. Paul actually explains it to us in this way. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain, or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. This passage from Philippians um, that, that St. Paul talks about, it connects the ideas of self-denial, how Christ did it for us, and, and no one was actually denying himself more than Christ. If you think about the nature of who Christ was, was both fully man, but fully God. So he had to take the likeness of men, denying who he was in a way, denying his own self for the sake of me and you. And that's what he's calling us to do. It's to not to just deny ourselves for the sake of denying ourselves, but for the service of others. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, I get it. Jesus lived the life of self-denial. He's the ultimate you know, goal. Like, I get it. But let's be honest, this not only sounds hard, like uh, everything society tells us selfish, 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 and I'm saying self-denial. Not only does it sound hard, but if we're being honest, if we're being transparent, one-on-one, -on -one, so to speak, it sounds kind of miserable, right? This life of self-denial, when we think and we hear those words, sounds kind of miserable, not enjoyable. I don't want a life of self-denial. Who would want that life? I think the reason that this not only sounds hard, but miserable for a lot of us, is because we have become to believe a lie. And that lie is as follows. I know what I need to make me happy, and I know what I need to satisfy me. And if I pursue those things, 
then I will surely be satisfied in life. I don't need someone else to tell me what I, what I personally need to be happy. I know how to do that myself. Are you sure? You know exactly what you need to make you happy? How many prayers do we pray to God asking for specific things in the past? Five years later, we look at him like, thank God he didn't give that to me. Are we sure that we have such good judgment about the things that we think will satisfy us? Are we sure? I'm not talking to just you, I'm talking to myself here. So I'll uh, share a silly example, but a real one. I can take a look at many decisions in my life that I've made, uh, and there's not, uh, not few uh, of them. There's plenty of them to, to look at. Um, but I can take a look at plenty of decisions that I've made that were selfish decisions that didn't result in my satisfaction or happiness. For example, coming out of Lent this year, coming out of Lent this year, we, we all know we've been quarantined and all this crazy stuff's been going on. Um, we, you know, spent our Holy 50 period after Lent, after the, the Feast of the Resurrection, um, not fasting, right? In the Coptic tradition, we don't fast for that period. And not only were we not fasting, but we were spending a lot of time at home. And boy, was that dangerous. Boy, was that dangerous. My judgment, my desires told me, throw some wings in here, eat a burger there, mix some bacon in when nobody's paying attention, eat all the stuff, get your fill, you've been fasting for a while, all my desires, and you will be satisfied. You will be happy. You will be content. Your body will be good to go. I can use a lot of words to describe how my body felt. Happiness and content would not be one of them, okay? I, and I'll spare you the details, but man, that is not how I felt. In my mind, I thought, if I could get this, 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 and this, I'll be good. And maybe I didn't make these decisions all consciously, you know, and, and analyze the decisions that way. But if you think about how we live our lives, the decisions that we make often are about how do I get myself to a more comfortable state or a more happier state. For some of you, and I'm sure you can relate, maybe it was the, the food scenario there. For some of us, it's different things, right? So for some of us, maybe we're looking at, we have a consumer mindset and we think to ourselves that I need this career or this job to fulfill this desire to have these things in my life. And of course, because we're spiritual people, of course, we're not after luxury, but we're after comfort, right? I, I don't want luxury. I, I want comfort. And the next thing you know, you see, this car that I got, that's just for comfort. The house that I picked, yeah, that one? No, no, not luxury, it's for comfort. Next thing you know, you're looking down at your bills, bill after bill after bill. Last thing you feel is comfort and discomfort. Last thing you feel is peace. You might have some stress, you might have some anxiety and anger, and you're looking around and you're saying, how did we get ourselves in this situation? How did, how did I get here? Jesus knows something that we fail to understand over and over again. And this is why he's preaching this to us today. I think that I know what's best for me. I think I know what's gonna provide satisfaction or happiness. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it almost always results in the exact opposite. The more I pursue that stuff, the more I end up not being satisfied and not being happy. Jesus actually continues, continues the passage from the Gospel of St. Luke, and he says the following. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Sound familiar? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? What's the point? If you want to summarize this, that's what Jesus is asking us. What's the point? You're chasing, you're chasing, you're chasing. You're running, you're running, you're running after all these things to fill your needs. Because everything revolves around me. But what's the point if at the end you're destroyed or lost? And of course Jesus here is pointing to an eternal perspective. Because in other passages he says, what's the point if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? But honestly, how often is this true of us today? You know, for sure from an eternal perspective it can be true. But how frequent does this happen to us today? It's very common. What Jesus is saying is, I know it's hard to think about a selfless life. I know it's hard to think about denying yourself, taking up your cross and following me. But I promise you, it's so much better than the alternative. So much better than the alternative. Because if you think you're just worth money, food, clothing, comfort, whatever you're chasing after, I promise you, you're just going to find yourself lost. Said in another way, if we fill ourselves, we will remain empty. And if we empty ourselves, God will fill us. If we fill ourselves, we'll remain empty. If we empty ourselves, God himself will fill us. Now, just a caveat before I go any further, um, I'm not here to say that every desire that we have is evil. I'm not saying it like that. But the problem is that when my will and God's will aren't aligned and everything turns into about me, everything is about how do I make myself happy? How do I fulfill my desires, my passions? And that's usually when it results into us chasing things that we think are going to bring us happiness, when in reality, it's actually the self-denial that's going to lead us to more a content life, a joyful life, a peaceful life. God's desire is for us to imitate him. And to do that is by the way of the cross, how he emptied himself for us, and we in return empty ourselves before him as best as we can, and he in return fills us. Nothing that you're ever going to give up in life when you say no to yourself is going to be greater than what God has in store for you. Nothing that you're ever going to give up in life, A, is first of all yours, but it's not going to be greater than what God has in store for you. Would I rather me fill myself and remain empty, or would I rather God, the King of Kings, fill me, and I'll always remain full in His presence? So with that, if you're wondering yourself, okay, we've been talking about self-denial, I understand kind of what it is now, God first, others second, I'm last, okay, I get it, and I get why this is the way that, that Christ is telling us to live, Practically, where do I start? Where do I even begin when it comes to this topic? We're going to tackle a couple of questions here. Um, and if so far at home, you found this talk extremely boring and you're on your phone, Instagram, texting, whatever it may be, this is the part where I suggest you put your phone down um, and put it on do not disturb because we are going to tackle these questions honestly and openly. Um, so with that, we're going to focus um, and, and go from there. All right. So put your phones down, do not disturb. First question, how often do I bring God into my life? How often do I bring God into my life? When I'm thinking about this 
topic of self-denial. This is usually the first step to measure where I'm at. Do I make decisions in my day-to-day -day life? You know, whether they're, they're super easy decisions and analytical decisions, whatever it may be. And, and analytical, believe me, I love spreadsheets as much as the next guy, if those who know me. I'm a big spreadsheet fan, okay? But do I make those decisions based on what I think is best for me in silo? Or do I genuinely seek God and ask for Him to intervene, to guide me, to help me make decisions and then go from there? Do I go to God first and say, Lord, give me wisdom. Teach me to have my will aligned to your will. And not always I'm going to have a clear answer, but at least I know I went to God and I was honest before him. And then I can make decisions freely and easily. No stress, peace. Versus when I get into the super hyper analytical mode, which happens to me a lot, and I, I get into the weeds and I try to make decisions. I try to, well, this is going to be best for us because of this and this is going to be... And all I'm focused about is me, 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 me. I gotta say, wait, I thought I was in the middle of this. I thought I was the center of your life, but you just wanna take over. It feels like sometimes, instead of truly bringing God into our lives, that we focus on our lives, on what's best for us, and God is just kinda sitting there in the corner, kinda sitting there at, on an as-needed basis, kinda just waiting for us. And it's like, okay, God, well, I couldn't solve this problem. What do you now think I should do? When in reality, how often I should be bringing God into my life is every day. Every day when I wake up in the morning, and if you want kind of a, a solid prayer, okay, uh, one, of, one of the best ways to pray, is that I ask God for wisdom, that he gives me the ability to honor him in everything that I say and do, and that every single day our wills are aligned together. And, and yes, I'm going to make mistakes, of course, but when I do that, the, the, the stress levels, the anxiety just goes down immediately and there's so much more peace about how we are living our lives. That was question number one. Question number two. So we talked about the God part. Question number two. Who's at the center of my thoughts? Who is at the center of my thoughts? So how often do I bring God into my life? Who's at the center of my thoughts? This may seem like a bit of a strange question but let me explain. When you woke up this morning who or what were you thinking about? When you were daydreaming this afternoon, or last afternoon, yesterday, whatever it may be, who were you thinking about? If we dig deep into our thoughts, into what we're constantly, what's constantly consuming our minds, nine out of ten, nine out of ten times, I would bet that the answer is me. The answer is I'm thinking about myself. And I can twist it and say, no, well, I'm really thinking about my family. I'm really thinking about... But if we really dig deep and we're honest with ourselves, who's at the center of my thoughts? It's me. The problem with this, like we discussed before, as long as I'm in the center of my thoughts, I will never be able to carry out that command that, just told, that God just told us, that Christ just told us. I will never be able to deny myself. Because if I'm at the center of my thoughts, I'm thinking about how to fulfill every desire that I have. But when God becomes our center, day by day, little by little, what He does is He becomes our center, becomes our foundation, becomes our root system, like Peter told us last week, and then He pushes us outward into thinking about the needs of others, truly. And it becomes not just about me, but maybe it becomes about my spouse, my family, 
maybe it becomes about the needs of those in my community. This change of mindset, day by day, is what we need to be truly called Christians. And if you're asking to yourself, why is this the way that I'm called to live? Very simply, very bluntly, because you were created in the like, image and likeness of God, and God isn't selfish, and you're not created to be a selfish being. In fact, when you operate from a selfish way, that's when you find yourself destroyed or lost. But when you operate from a way of giving of yourself and emptying of yourself and denying of yourself like Christ did, that's when we, file, that's when we find that we're operating properly because that's how the designer of, of, of the, the creator who designed us um, decided that we should operate. C.S. Lewis says it this way, give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it, quoting Jesus. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find Him. And with Him, everything else is thrown in. I love that so much. If you want it, a summary of what we've been talking about. Reread that quote again. That's exactly what C.S. Lewis is saying. That's exactly what Christ is trying to get us to understand. On the surface, this idea of self-denial seems like we're depriving ourselves of something. Feels like so not natural of us. When in reality, yes, maybe selfishness has become our natural desire. But when we self-deny, we're simply just making a better decision. Because we know the way that we know what the, the selfish life leads to and, and the way that, 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 that we can attain those things, but in the end, we know the result of that selfish life. And we know now what that self-denying life looks like. Looks like life with Christ. And when you have Christ, when we are truly following after Him, imitating Him, what else could we possibly need? This idea of self-denial that, that Christ is speaking to us today it's not an impractical one. It is certainly a difficult one, but it's not an impractical one. It's a day-by-day -day decision that I will put God first, others second, and I'm last. Because I understand that if I try to fill myself, I will certainly remain empty. But if I empty myself and I deny myself, then God himself will fill me. And when God fills me with himself, there's nothing else I will need. The beauty of today's passage is sometimes we look at it as, what am I giving away? When in reality it is Christ saying, I have so much to offer you. If only you would empty yourself, let me fill you. And that is what the self-denial is all about. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you so much for always being there for us, for, for blessing us, Lord, for desiring us so much that you emptied yourself for us, you who are God, and became a man for us, and died for us, and rose for us, and did everything for us, Lord, continuously emptied and emptying yourself for us now. We ask you, Lord, that you teach us to live that life, that selfless life that seeks you and seeks to serve the needs of others before ourselves, knowing that in the end, this life that you call us to is a much better one, 
a life that is wonderful, a life that is glorifying to you and honoring to you, and a life where we will truly find peace, joy, and happiness. We ask you, Lord, that you hear our prayers through the intercessions of all your saints. Here says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining us this week, and see you all next week. Come.